Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. Did you like that intro? I kind of lowered my voice for the Max. The Max. All right. Anyway, I'll let that slide. Welcome everybody to the Animals to the Max podcast. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You know, one of my favorite parts about doing this show is just meeting people all around the world who are so passionate about animals. It is my favorite thing. I mean, honestly, I mean, I obviously I love talking. I love talking about animals and I love talking to other people about animals. And that was the whole reason why I started this podcast. But there are some times when I'll meet someone who is so incredibly passionate. It just, it blows my mind. And this is how I felt with the guest we have today. On the show, we have Alex the Critter Catcher. Alex is a specialist in handling rattlesnakes, tarantulas, all different types of reptiles. And this guy is the real deal. And I just was blown away by his knowledge. His focus is really on rattlesnakes. And he's from California, which of course, home to many types of rattlesnakes. And his business focuses on rattlesnake removal and trying to promote a better image of these snakes. I mean, I absolutely hate it, but so many people think around the world that the only good snake is a dead snake. And Alex is really trying to use his Instagram platform and just his platform around being a critter catcher around California to try to raise awareness and put these animals in a positive light because they need it. I'm just here in Idaho and so many people hate rattlesnakes. So many people out here go out to the deserts and kill rattlesnakes. And it it makes me so sad because the places where I used to go hike, where I could find rattlesnakes, I no longer find them because people have killed them just out of fear. And I really hope that you really listen to the show. And a huge takeaway message is to remember that even though rattlesnakes are venomous, they aren't out to get you. They aren't. They just want to be left alone. And they are nature's, I mean, you guys, nature's pest control. They take care of rodents, which spread disease. And honestly, a rattlesnake, its last resort is to bite. It does not want to waste the venom. And so I'll jump off my soapbox. And of course, I'll leave that to Alex. Before we get to it, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to it. Give us a five-star rating. Let me know in the reviews what episodes you like. I also love when you send me guest suggestions. You've been doing that a lot. And I appreciate it because you are introducing me to new people around the world who have interesting stories with animals, who work with animals. I love it. So continue to send in your guest suggestions. Also, make sure to follow me on my social channels at Corbin Maxi on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. We do weekly YouTube videos, so all the links are in there. And I'll also include Alex's social media channel links as well. He has a great great, great Instagram feed. I always love seeing his posts on the IG. Also, if you want to support the show, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash animals to the max. Anything helps five, $10 a month goes back to the show. It pays for new equipment, web hosting fees. We really appreciate it. If you find value in the show, we appreciate a little small donation towards the show. With that said, let's get to the show. Let's talk about some rattlesnakes with Alex, the critter catcher. Oh, folks, I am so excited because today we are going to talk about rattlesnakes with one of my favorite, I would say one of my favorite reptile people to follow on Instagram. I have Alex, the critter catcher with me. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, man. It's it's my pleasure. It's weird because we message back and forth and it's actually, you know, like through Instagram and it's weird to finally actually yeah. talk to you like like, yeah. a, like a human. <laughs> yeah, because outside of just a few messages, I... I don't know much about except for what you you know show on social media so i'm just like uh-huh. okay we'll see how this goes you know because obviously this is an opportunity to get to know you as well too yeah yeah and i loved it because i i put something out there on instagram i was like i need some guest suggestions and then you messaged me and you're like rattlesnakes and i was like great do you want to be my expert and i'm <laughs> i apologize i should have asked you to come on a long time ago man I, it's all good I, I when you first messaged that i thought you were just doing like a 
generalized thing where you're just going to like do some rattlesnake info, all that good stuff. But then I was like, okay, cool. Cause I'm, I'm not that type of person that's going to like demand the pedestal or demand any type of attention. You know, I always let people come to me, you know, instead of me banging at your door at three in the morning, Hey, can I be on your podcast? Hey, can I, you know, <laughs> Oh, no. Well, no, I'm, yeah, like I said, so happy you're doing this. And, you know, honestly, I'm ashamed. We've never really talked about rattlesnakes on the show, man. This is, this is crazy. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. It, it was, it was a matter of, it had to happen. You know, the, those guys are such misunderstood creatures and they're just, they need attention. Okay. You know, they need good attention too. Okay. Can I show you my shirt? Okay. Look at this. I wore this just for you, Alex. <laughs> you see it? What does it say? Yes. Don't tread on me. Or, no, don't sneeze on don't me. Don't sneeze on me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that the, the Corona edition? This is the Corona edition. I, <laughs> dude, I bought this from some crazy old guy at one of our local wineries who probably should not have even been out because of how old he was. But anyway, he was selling these and I thought this is great. So anyway, uh, I, respect that and appreciate that share that's great awesome awesome so give uh, my listeners just a, just a little background of yourself have you always been into rattlesnakes reptiles i know you also work with tarantulas as well so let, let's get into your backstory yeah so it really started when i was a kid right and i think it was a direct result of a lack of friends when i was growing up you know kids were just very mean and ruthless and I didn't have many friends. And I think that was because I was more on the hyperactive spectrum. So what that did was it pushed a lot of the kids away. So instead of kind of, you know, I didn't really know what route to turn. So what I ended up doing and taking all this energy and passion that I had, I actually would literally just leave. I remember in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, even the way through middle school, I would leave school class. I would literally walk out, go behind the school, find a creek. And I would start catching frogs and tadpoles and then the security guard or whoever campus duty would come and start, you know, wrangling me back. Yeah, yeah. And I just had this bottle full of animals. And even at a young age, I was just for whatever reason, I was so compelled to being around animals. And I think it really dawned on me when I was about seven years old and I was at my father's house and I hear everybody screaming because there's a bunch of people in the house. Everybody's screaming. And as I run around the corner, my dad is facing a rattlesnake and he's ready to kill it because that's oh. just kind of what your, your modern day people do is they kill animals, right? They, they just do it out of this fear. And I'm, for whatever reason, the seven-year-old comes up to bat and is like, hey, don't. Like, for whatever reason, I found it to be fit that this snake needs to live. And I, again, I don't know where this come from. I just think it, whatever reason, it, it's my gift. And I'm convincing my dad not to kill the snake. So I go and grab this big trash can. I go and grab this broom. And I'm like, you know, sweeping this rattlesnake into a, a container. And then I convince my dad to take me somewhere and let it go. And I, I, again, that's not something you can just teach somebody. You can't teach somebody to, to, to save an animal's life, you know. Even more so, kids would be like, oh, let's see the, you know, let's see the innards of the snake. You know, let's see what happens when you smack it this way, you know. And, and for whatever reason, I'm just like, no, I, I want this snake to live. And that was really the propelling moment for me, especially with rattlesnakes. Because when I saw everybody acting in fear, in my heart, I'm just like, I can't comprehend it. I'm like, how do you guys, how are you so afraid? How is there so much hatred towards an animal that has done nothing to you? So it really kind of moved at that point and progressed, you know, moving forward. So I think that for me was my starting point into my love of rattlesnakes and all other misunderstood creatures and, and animals in general. Wow, seven years old. I give you mad props. Not many people would even think at that age to go grab a trash can and a broom. Like yeah. what? That is, dude, that is, that's, that's really special. That is, I mean, that is really amazing that you did that. And why do you think it is that we just all, I mean, so many people have this innate fear of snakes. Why do you think that is? Honestly, that's a really good question. And that's what I being in a position of influence struggle with the most is because I get presented that question and I get presented it with, from a lot of people who have a motive and they're not willing they don't want to have an answer from me they just want to pro proke and prod and do all that stuff but the reality is people people live and act in a way when there there is a lack of understanding and when there's no understanding to fill that void people do the most comfortable thing and it's what everybody else is doing right it's that comfortability mm. factor so they replace mm. it with fear 
They replace it with ignorance. They replace it with hostility. So you can be, you know, you could have had a really bad day, right? And then all of a sudden there's a rattlesnake and now ignorance kind of takes its its place and not in like a super bad way, but it's just like my day was bad and I don't like these creatures because everybody else doesn't like these creatures. And now I'm just going to unleash my anger, you know, and it, it really is a whole stumbling block of factors, but it, it really boils down to a lack of knowledge and the importance of rattlesnakes. And, and honestly, people just need to really grasp that importance of how crucial they are to the ecosystem, the environment to like, I'm, I literally I'll go on and on forever. But yeah, that that's, that's for me is the main thing is tackling that, that lack of knowledge towards rattlesnakes. Are you, uh, I guess, a believer, because there are some theories, like scientists believe since we evolved in Africa, our ancestors, that we evolved to fear, uh, you know, snakes and spiders. And they've done studies where they've shown, you know, infants, you know, images of snakes and spiders. And some of them are just like, ah, and they think that some of us are just born with this innate fear. Because back in the day, I'm talking, you know, thousands of years ago, if you were bit by a venomous snake or a spider, you'd be a goner. Yeah. So I honestly, I wouldn't know what to say regarding the the children. Right. Uh-huh. I know I, I from my experience, I've had really weird situations where my niece was shown a snowman and she was terrified of it. And she ran away. And 90 percent of kids are like, oh, it's a snowman, it's yeah. fluffy, happy, whatever the case. But and for whatever reason, my niece was terrified. So I'm just kind of like, OK, maybe that's a little subjective, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but you're right about one thing is is snakes do have that type of demeanor where it is it is an authoritative figure in the animal kingdom and a snake is not something to be messed with and that is why trailing down the time frame snakes have had that reputation of kind of being scary intimidating because our past ancestors had such a fight with these snakes and they had such a lack of understanding that before they knew what venom you know cytotoxic neurotoxic hemotoxic venoms were people were just like getting bit and then just dying and and the neanderthals were like what the hell's going on like why are they dying and that's where this immense fear obviously would probably originate from Hmm. man yeah i just it's so crazy too. And and I live in Idaho and you're based in California, correct? Correct. Yes. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people around here think the only good snake is a dead snake. Oh my goodness, man. I, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'7", 280 pounds. I'm not the right person to say that around. I get a little bit feisty when people start just so carelessly saying a good snake is, and they do it to, to, to get under your skin. You don't know how many people comment on my photos, that snake would be better under my boot. And they're uh. just... They're just doing it to prod because, again, if someone truly doesn't understand the snake and they're in fear, they have the phobia and they respond out of fear. But, again, if people are saying a good snake is a dead snake, then they're just responding out of their own hostility and their own ignorance. And they're refusing to take all of the information we provide. And that's, again, that's a whole other, you know, alley. Because people just – that's why I love animals, bro. How, wait, 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 how, wait. How, how tall are you? Six, seven? Yeah, dude, I need to be I need to be as tall as you. I've almost gotten in a fight at a little bar at at a little country bar because I overheard some people talking, having drinks or whatever. And they were laughing about how this snake that this lady was trying to kill was so hard to die. And it kept on. And it was so disgusting. I literally like got up and I just like confronted this table and it didn't turn out good. It didn't it didn't result in anything physical, but it didn't result in anything like nothing good came out of it and yeah. it's just pure ignorance. I mean, it really, really is when it, when it boils down to it, you know, if I allowed my instinctive nature to get the whole best of me, like they do, then I would just be fighting everybody and their mamas. Yeah. So I, I try to, to rise above that. Obviously this is just being transparent. Cause you know, we all have to feel how we feel, but my, my effectivity would be zero to nothing if I just started lashing out at people, you know, and, and a lot of the times when I respond with compassion and information and a gentleness, even to these hard cares people or callous people, I'm sorry, then sometimes I get a little bit more appropriate response. But again, I just, oh. well, what got if I was still with you, then all I can say is it probably <laughs> well, if you were with me, I would have had a bigger friend. I was just by myself. I'm like 5'10", yeah. so I, I could have used a few more inches on you know how tall I was. But uh, no, I was w- recently on your Instagram stories. You were I, you were going after some guy 
can you can we go into this who was like didn't he claim to rescue this snake and then he turned it into boots or something it was like the most ridiculous story and i followed it a little bit on your stories uh uh uh, the florida python hunter yeah i think so yeah man i just uh, people are just online yeah anyway let's just go into it yeah well first of all i got a little carried away i started acting a little immature with that i started (laughs) I, I, i started i started just getting my feels out there instead of approaching the matter directly right? There is always a right way to do things. And my first approach was not. But the reality is he, he posted a video of him, of this snake, you know, that was on his property, holding it. And then in the comments, he says, oh, the snake was going to kill my dogs. Uh, he's going to make a nice wallet, like a, uh. a, like a laughing thing. And the reason why so many people are upset is because this guy is supposed to be a conservationist or whatever they call him out there in Florida. So he's out there helping the ecosystem, doing all this stuff. But yet here he is sharing his own personal experience with the Eastern Diamondback, which is like a a super like species of concern in Florida right now. Like their population is dwindling. Like this species needs help. And here he is saying that this, first of all, he labeled the snake as aggressive and it was going after his dogs error number one. So now he's just kind of justifying his his reason. You know, he's, he's not taking responsibility for saying, hey, like, I just wanted to kill the snake because it was on my property because I can legally do that and make a wallet. He's saying, oh, it's going to kill my dogs to kind of soften the playing field. Right. And that's just like human nature. They don't want to take on the full weight of their mistake. Obviously, you know, like I did, too. Um, and then, you know, kind of joking about it. And that's why so many people were getting mad, because in reality, if you are a true conservationist or I'm sorry, sometimes I can't. Con- pronounce you're fine. Conservation. Conservationist. conservationist? Fine. We, yeah, 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 yeah. Conservationist. We get it. Yeah, we got it. Um, you. Uh, so here's this bunny trail. I do rattlesnake removal. Regulations here in California are so strict. And you know what? If it really boiled down, and obviously this is I don't you need to decide whether you want to post this or not. I, maybe it's not the best thing, uh-huh. but. I'm t- that I'm that type of person that will take the penalty from whoever is going to come after me because I would rather see that snake safely removed. And if it came down to catching the snake, not even posting it on social media, right? Because if you really care about the snake, then you would have caught the snake. And his thing was, oh, I can't, I can't re- release it legally. It's illegal to release the snake. So he said, okay, well then don't post a video. If you wanted to post in the video. No one in the world would have known that there was an eastern diamondback on your property allegedly attacking your dogs. And if you would have relocated it, who would have known? Yeah. And and that's the thing, too. That's what separates the the real people who love animals versus the ones who want fame and attention. Because I gladly would have taken on any damn fine, any issue. I would have, you know, got some lawyers, lawyered up, went went against whoever I needed to to make sure that I'm going to, you know, take care of the snake versus whatever's going to happen to me. And, and that was the issue. This guy, he really acted in a sense hypocritical and he was just hiding behind his excuses instead of manning up and saying, hey, like, yeah, I just I, I really screwed up. And then he even posted a video of the snake and and literally the snake was going up to his dog's kennels and he's coming up behind the snake. So one, you have the dogs barking, right? Yeah. So that alone, the vibration, the dogs, all the heat because they're they're pit sensing vipers. Yeah, yeah. They're sensing all this. The snake is just like, I'm going to die in its head, right? So the snake in return isn't thinking, I'm going to kill his dog because that's what I want to do, you know, because that's what I am, a killing machine. The snake is literally like, if I'm not defending myself with the very precious venom that I have, my life could could be in jeopardy. So this is the snake's mentality. The snake is, is fearing for its life. He comes up with whatever, God for sake in object like a shovel or I, I don't even remember and he just just has the worst handling on the snake and then he blames the snake for all of this right and that's the issue he blamed the snake he falsely accused the snake he he gave false information about the snake's behavior and then he just justified it and mocked about it when he posted and that that overall was the biggest issue with that whole thing right Yeah. And you know what? You said a huge value bomb in there, Alex. You said, why would the snake waste? Or you didn't say why would it waste, but you said precious venom. And that is 
That is such a key, like a, a huge value bomb for people because these snakes do not want to waste that. It, it, it takes energy to create that. And so that's yeah. their last resort. And I'm so happy you said that because it's not like this venom is this endless supply. Like it takes energy yeah. and food and it's like they don't want to use that unless they have to. Exactly. And that, that is so true because to them, that venom is going to give them food when yeah. they're hungry. Mm-hmm. It's going to take down prey. That venom is going to ward off predators, you know, bigger threats, things that actually want to harm them aside from humans. And and the reality is that snake, again, they're so just they're put into this category of this malicious creature that has these horrible intentions. And it's like you're almost making this snake to seem as if it's human. But we have to understand that the snake is an instinctual creature. They're survival experts, right? So everything they operate out of, it's a survival mechanism to make sure that they are alive at the end of the day. And that's where I get so upset and other people get so upset is because people, 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 people keep putting these these accusations on snakes and more people believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why people like you and I rise up above all of this crap and we start voicing our, our, our voicing the truth, as a matter of fact, you know, and now it's just a matter of breaking through those barriers of ignorance and lack of knowledge to, to get to these people. Absolutely. So, I mean, okay, so basically just kind of go back. You're seven years old. You get your first rattlesnake. How do you get down into, I mean, how what, what takes you to the journey of becoming a professional critter catcher? Because that sounds like quite an exciting journey and maybe a job yeah. some of my listeners might want to pursue. <laughs> yeah, me too. I wish I could get paid full time. but <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. It's... <laughs> you know but that it's even, it's, it, see, here's the beauty of it. There was a, um, the reality is if I can – if I were to get paid to do this, I think the biggest battle of that would be not allowing the money to to motivate me. So what I enjoy right now is having the pure passion and love to do it for free. And the reality is um, obviously all my tarantula stuff, my snake stuff, lizard stuff. The main factor was like I said, when I was a kid – Kids hated me, and and I honestly I thank God for that because if it weren't for them, then I probably would be some egotistical, narcissistic, six seven buff guy who's just stupid out of his mind and arrogant, right? So I think the rejection at a young age actually pushed me into the direction I needed to go in life because obviously we all have a purpose. We're put onto this earth for a reason. Mine, and now that I'm older, I'm realizing that my purpose is to be the voice for these animals. And, and, and that is my privilege of living on this planet is that I get to do something for something, obviously because they're not somebody in the human sense, but for something that can never pay me back. You know, and that's where people get in troubles because their motives are, are you know, either fame, fortune, popularity, money, whatever the case is. But for the people who do it for the voice, the, the critters who can never pay them back, who do it for no money at all, it's mm. like th- that is the beauty of it. And obviously it's like, we still have to eat, right? We still yeah. have to put food on our table. So, you know, obviously I have a relocation business. I do get paid for that. But outside of that, it's like all my volunteer work, everything else I do literally is just for my own energy, for my own, you know, personal life that I that I give, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So relocation business, let's talk about this because this is, I get so many emails. I'm so happy my phone number has started to fade away from the from, from the internet. I swear to God, because once your number gets out there, it just, it's hard to, you know, when, when you do animal yeah. rescue, what do you do if you find a rattlesnake in your yard? In my own yard? Well, no, I mean, I know you would, you'd be so oh, happy. Okay, okay, okay. okay. People. from the third person. Yeah, I would, so it, I would, like, you I would, would love sit it. there with it for like 10 minutes, just <laughs> literally watching it just in <laughs> admiration. Me too, me too. But just for, for the normal person who's not really comfortable around rattlesnakes, what do you do if you encounter a rattlesnake or any venomous snake in your yard? So if I were in that situation and I were a person who wasn't like me, obviously I would first I would make sure that everybody's safe. The animals are safe. You know, kids are safe. You know, call the pets. If if the dog is on the other end of the snake, you know, then that's a different story because now you're like if you call your dog, the dog's going to come over the snake, which you don't want. So let's not go into that scenario. But otherwise, if it's just clean and easy, get your pets in, get people in, everybody in the house, snakes out in the yard. I personally don't know of a fire department that does not kill the snakes here. Our fire department does. 
people do say some don't but as of right now the local ones that i personally know actually do kill the snake and i've literally been on the phone with someone who called me hey can you remove my snake and i'm like hey it's going to be an hour before they get there oh the fire department just showed up and i and i'm like okay let me put me on the phone with them and they're like hey i was like hey please either hold the snake for me let me come get it or can you just put it in a bucket and they're like no if we touch the snake we have to kill it and i'm just like oh even, wait, wait, wait. even even non-venomous ones no, not uh, rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes, really? Yeah. They yeah, have so, to? Is it a yeah. law? I, I guess so. It, it is so... The the laws here in California are so iffy, and I could spend all day talking about them, but they're, they're so discouraging, if I were to say the least. And yes, so all the fire department I've come into contact with have had to kill the snake, the rattlesnake. Well, okay, so don't call the fire department. Yeah. <laughs> like, so please so don't. The key thing is get in touch with your local rattlesnake or snake removal person um i do all of southern california so that's my platform so i'm trying to get as many people my number to say hey you know what don't kill the snake don't call somebody to kill the snake call me i'll take care of the snake i'm basically i've invested all my time and energy and funds into making sure that i can be available for people when they have a rattlesnake on their property and so yeah that's your best way is kind of getting in touch seeing who's around who's your you know who's available for you and whatnot Okay, but if you're not in Southern California, would you suggest calling animal control? I always tell people maybe look up your local your local herpetological society. Usually has yeah. members, um, and I know that's a big it's, it's a mouthful for people, but herpetological uh, society. You know, it's I'm a, gonna try to say that herpetological. There you go. Try to spell <laughs> it. That's fun. Uh, but you yeah. could Google that. <laughs> animal control usually has yeah. some good resources and a list of people who will do that. What are some things that you can do um, to maybe keep the snake temporarily? What would you recommend? Trash can, plastic container, broom, or would you recommend just leaving it until a professional gets there? It's really tough because in this industry, in what I do, not only do I have to put the snake's welfare and, and priority first, but I have to put the homeowners and all the lives there on the property first. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to do is suggest that they get anywhere near the rattlesnake. And that's part of the reason why I'm so avid and passionate about this is because I'm not just your average Joe who's going to show up to your to your property. If that snake, for whatever reason, gets out of their sight, I'm going to spend the next three, four, five, six, seven hours tracking down that snake, making sure that either one, I get all the snakes on the property, usually because if you find one, there's others in the areas. Rattlesnakes typically float that way. So it's very nice because I can reassure them, hey, I got a couple on your property. You should be good for now. <clears throat> or two. I don't find anything, right? Mm-hmm. And then I give them a peace of mind saying, hey, the rattlesnake is actually just just gone. You know, I spent last couple hours looking. But uh, again, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. But okay. yeah, I, I don't want to encourage people to get bit because all that's going to do is going to look really bad. You know, and I'm trying to protect the snakes here, not my own skin. I'm trying to make sure that the snakes don't get a bad reputation. Like, oh, this person called an animal expert. He told them to go touch the snake and, you know, and then now the animal experts a butthole and the snake's a butthole and then they both need to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so just leave it alone. That's yeah, that, absolutely. Leave it alone absolutely. and call a professional. I, you know, and so, I get so many calls of people wanting me and other people to remove harmless snakes, like gopher snakes or garter yeah. snakes. It's like, man, people leave them in their yard. It is like nature's, it is a blessing. It's like your natural pest control. It's like having yeah. this little friend who's going to yeah. eat all the rats and the mice. And I just think it's, I, we love seeing snakes on our property. It's awesome. And that is a huge point too. And the only thing that I struggle with that is that if I convince them to leave the snake, there's always one person who's going to kill the snake without calling anybody, telling anybody. And that's what I'm afraid for is even if there's a 1% chance that they let the snake on their property be, the snake wanders over into Joey's yard, and Joey just is like a, you know, whoever, wilderness guy who lives off of the oh. land. He's like, oh, it's my dinner time. It's like, even though that's not like bad, you know, obviously people live off the land and stuff like that, but the reality is it's like, I'm here to save the snake. And if I convince them to let the snake live and Joey finds it, then I'm not doing my job, you know? Yeah. 
It's so hard, and we're encroaching on these animals' habitats, too. I mean, people in Southern California are living up in the hills, and they're living in these nice houses, and it's like, why do I have rattlesnakes? Well, it's like you moved into their backyard. I've I've had I've been on multi million dollar properties looking for snakes and I'm just like aside from mesmerized by like these houses, I'm just like, man, people are impeding upon their land and it, it's so sad because again, they're the ones moving, restricting mm-hmm. their, their living space and then they're blaming the snake for showing up on their property. You know, and, and again it's just battling that never ending cycle of, of, of lack of knowledge, you know. So, uh, uh, okay. So we know what to do if you come across a snake or a venomous snake. When people say, I just hate snakes, what do you tell them? Why? Oh, that's a good, why? That's good. So ask. there's this beautiful thing called the, uh, law of, uh, I think it's the law of casual casuality which basically means that everything has happened for a reason. There's always a reaction to everything. So if someone says, I hate snakes, why do you hate snakes? Oh, well, when I was seven-year-old, my pop got bit by a rattlesnake and died. You know, obviously in that sense, you you have to be very delicate with that individual, you know, because obviously your goal is to, to bring awareness saying, hey, the snake's life still matters, right? But I, I'm so sorry for your dad. Like, I wish I could have been there to save him, you know, but the beauty of it is that this snake is, its venom is going to, neurological studies cancer studies like it's going to all of these incredible things it's it's you know the some of the vipers in latin america they're taking their venom and breaking it down to the to the like the all the smallest compounds and they're literally using that as like pain relieving medications so it's like there's so much healing property in the venom and once you kind of approach them in this gentle manner with like just wholly respecting their whole casual you know or casualty with their family member or whatever it's like you know, then they kind of, okay, I'll call you. But again, you know, people are like, oh, I hate snakes. Oh, well, you know, just because they're bad. It's just like you're just acting ignorant, you know. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you really can't do much unless you want to fight him and break his hands off so he can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So God forbid something happens. But what happens if you get bit by a rattlesnake? Can we just go into that? What is the Absolutely. expert the expert opinion on this? And I just want to let's um, dismiss a, dismiss a common myth. Please don't suck the venom out, everybody. If you've heard that, that's <laughs> please do not do that. Okay, you take the stage, Alex. What do you do if you get bit <clears throat> by a rattlesnake? So there's two scenarios that need to to coexist with that statement. Okay. First, first and most important importance is identification. I, knowing what snake you were just bit by, because some rattlesnakes have a higher neurotoxicity ratio that are way more deadly than some of your other rattlesnakes. So, for example, the Mojave rattlesnake, the Southern Pacific rattlesnake, the tiger rattlesnake have in the uh, within the U- United States have some of the highest potency of venom. So what that means is that the neurotoxins are attacking the blood, destroying the tissue, causing respiratory issues. You literally are feeling symptoms within minutes. And and the reality is if you can identify which snake you you just got bit by, one you when you get to the hospital, which is 10,000% necessity, like you need to go. I don't care who you think you are, you need to go to the hospital you can now say, hey, I was bit by a Mojave rattlesnake, right? So that helps them to understand, okay, now we need to inject this anti-venom to them. Um, and then two, if you do get bit, as as weird as this might sound and impossible as it might sound, you need to stay calm because the reality is the venom works with the blood flow. So it goes in. It, 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 venom doesn't matter if it hits your skin, stuff like that. It literally starts having issues in effect when it hits things like your mouth or some something deep inside of a sore a wound anything sensitive where it can get absorbed deeper than something the skin can and obviously the blood um once that happens boom the venom's in it's going to start circulating going through the if you started running your heart's going to be like okay it's time to work it's time to power the body boom now the blood is the blood is flowing through in more areas than it should so stay calm focus on your breathing if you're in an area where you know there's not going to be cellular service, get a satellite phone. I do not care. If you if you disregard this information, you've told you you've chosen to disregard wisdom 
And, and if you get bit, then that falls on you. But you have to have a cellular, like a, a satellite phone, if you're ever in an area where there's no service. So, but that's not the most case. You know, those are some extreme cases. If you're out just on a general hike, you get bit, right? So if there's people around you, let them help you walk. You know, don't try to walk on yourself. Let them assist you. Get to the car. Get to the hospital as fast as you can. Um, if you're far, a couple miles out and you still have service, you need to call. You need to get helicoptered out and all that stuff. Um, and those are, yeah, don't suck the venom, but those are the, the main tips when would you, you get bit. Would you wrap the area to try to slow down the, the blood flow? Honestly, I really don't know much about that. Uh -huh. um, there really isn't anything like 100% because the, the way the venom works is it just starts breaking everything down. Uh -huh. Now, it, it, obviously, if you're in a place where you can elevate something, you can't just sit there. You know, obviously, if you have to get to your car, you're going to have to get moving. But if you're going to get helicoptered out, you got bit in the leg, elevate the leg. You know okay. what I mean? Or, yeah. or whatever the case. But yeah. that, that should not be the main thing. You just got to get to your vehicle. You, you got to get to your place of, of transportation. And, and and I just want to go on to earlier. You said try to identify the, the type of rattlesnake. If you aren't familiar with that snake, just take a photo. Everyone has a phone these days. Just take a quick yeah. photo and then, you know, they'll be able to hopefully I um, identify it. So Alex, how many people die from rattlesnake bites? Or snake not bites? many at all. Not, not, not many. many. It's very low. More people die by dogs and mosquitoes. Well, obviously mosquitoes, but more people die by the least common things than they do rattlesnake. Reason being is because most people um, outside of the churches that, you know, I, there was a guy who got bit holding oh, a snake. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like, <laughs> don't, don't abuse religion like that. Cause it doesn't work like that. But it's like people are, are testing their, their luck, right? Outs yeah. Outside of those situations, everybody's going to a hospital. Everybody's getting access to antivenom. So unless you are obviously have prior medical conditions, you know, stuff's really going bad with your body, then you might be more, you know, that that's the, the, the line. We might, you know, just pass on. But in yeah. um, most cases, people do not die from that. Yeah. And I mean, if you think of this, you're more likely to be struck by lightning or kicked in the head by a cow than being killed by a rattlesnake. Yeah. So, so please just keep that in mind. And also I I'd like to say, and I'm sure you'd agree with me when you're out in rattlesnake country, just be aware, wear closed toed shoes, watch where you put your hands. If you're hiking, you know, yeah. just little simple things that can protect you and the snake. I, I tell everybody stick to the trail. Oh, yeah, One, yeah. you can see, you can see the trail is literally removed all the shrubs, the, the ground cover, everything. You can see everything in front of you. So you see if the snake's there. If you're going to start wandering off into a little bit more difficult pass, yeah, have have thick boots. I always have my snake boots on. Uh, basically, I can take a full-blown bite from any large rattlesnake. They're not going through that. Obviously, they're $300, but the reality is that $300 is going to save me from $100,000 that I would have to pay medically. Mm -hmm. So... If you prepare yourself, you can definitely reduce those chances of getting bit. Yeah. So I have to ask you, and I'm going to, hopefully you're going to be candid about this, but you are the critter catcher. Have you ever had any crazy close calls where you were like, oh man, or have you ever been seriously bit by a, by a rattlesnake? Never been bit. Thank no, God. And I think on wood. <laughs> yeah, I, I take a little pride in that because I tell myself if, if my motives were wrong, for even a split second, I think the reality of that was God or the universe or whoever you think will let you know that you need to get back in place. So the moment my motives stop from pursuing the, the, the well-being of the snake, um, I'll get bit. And I think the reality is that I have just too much respect and love that I, I never cross that line of, of boundaries with the snake. If I'm one-on-one -on -one with the snake, I literally will sit there and watch the snake and I will basically communicate with it non-verbally until that snake's demeanor is completely just docile, calm, wants to get away. I've had snakes rear up, striking at me. I will sit down. I will crisscross applesauce. I will look that snake and I will just be calm with the snake. And eventually the snake will come to realize that, okay, this guy is not a threat. He's not trying to bite me. I will still bite him if he gets close because that's the nature of the rattlesnake. But what in this what happens is the snake the, something changes and it goes from being def this defensive thing that I'm going to die if he gets any closer to you know what keep your distance, but I'm going to slither away now. 
And in that point, I'm allowed to get a little bit closer with the snake, a little bit more hands-on with the snake. And obviously the snake isn't in that extreme stressed out situation. And I just, I work with it very little to minimize stress. But even then, that is, that is the goal for me, is to have that level of respect and approach with the snake every time. But there have been times where I was hiking and I found the most beautiful, beautiful rattlesnake. It, it, it was almost like a hybrid rattlesnake. It was a Northern Pacific rattlesnake, but it had the greenish, most beautiful green look, almost like a Mojave rattlesnake. And I was looking at the snake and the snake was calm. And, and the reason why I was calm it was because I didn't startle it. I didn't alert it. So the snake was like, oh, he can't see me. I'm an ambush predator, so I'm going to sit right here. But as soon as I made the wrong step, that snake just lunged at me. And again, the snake isn't trying to kill me, eat me, because he knows he can't eat me. Yeah, yeah. But the snake is lunging at me, and I'm on a downhill slope on a very rigid mountain with cacti uh, hanging off cliff. And the snake didn't come at me at the nice, comfortable side down the slope. He went to the rough side. So I'm literally like going down this, this slope. And the snake is just coming at me because the snake is sliding down too. So it's yeah, not yeah. just coming. He's gravity's pulling him down towards me. I literally had to hop over the snake, lunging at me because I would have fallen off the cliff. Oh man! And luckily, I had my snake hook. So as soon as I hopped over, I I uh, used my hook, stopped him any further, so he didn't go flying off. Managed to get him back up, put him back up, and then just left him the hell alone. But yeah, that was <laughs> I was yeah, that was scary as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking about that, let's, uh, you know, I would love to check out some of your critters. Do you mind after? Uh, oh, yeah. What so if, do you want to do a surprise where I just grab it yeah. without telling you? So let's should I just it. block the camera? How would you How would you like it? Yeah. Because obviously just if it. I get it out, then you'll see it. So I want to just sure. remove. Okay. So okay. I'll put a little thing right here and then. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. And then listeners, you can check this out. I will post the link on YouTube. Oh, wow. You really are doing that. I will post the link on YouTube so you can check it out. I'll also do a short clip on the IGTV so you can check it out. And side note, if you are listening, let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email, info at CorbinMaxi.com. If you like these podcast interviews on YouTube, it's something I started to do. I feel like, I don't know, people like to see, like visuals sometimes. So let me know if you prefer to listen to your podcast that way. All right. All right. I'm ready, Alex. All right. What do you guys think it is? Dude. What do you think it is, Corbin? Um, okay. Man, this is hard because you have a bunch of really cool stuff. I'm going to go. Hold on. Man, you're. Oh, okay. There you go. It's definitely a snake. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. And you're free handling. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell the audience what we have right now. So this is Gilbert. This is called in the Latin world, the Crotalus serastus, also known as the sidewinder rattlesnake. So the reason why I'm holding this guy, and obviously the main disclosure is do not do this at home. And that is a redundant statement, but it is very true. Leave that to obviously the professionals people who've been working with animals for, animals for a very long time who know their animals. This is my animal. I didn't just pick them up from the street and say, hey, guys, here we go. So I've worked with Gilbert for a long, long time, but I've never crossed that boundary because he still has – we still have respect, right? There's a relationship of respect going on with Gilbert. And what that looks like is I allow Gilbert to move however he wants to move. Now, I don't force him. I act – my hands act – like the very surface of the ground, oh. right? So Gilbert doesn't get that feeling of I'm being messed with, I'm being harassed. I, I try to recreate that atmosphere for him so he can stay nice and calm. But again, Gilbert has been my boy for a long time. He's a sweetheart. He's never struck at me. Reason being is because I've never posed a threat to him. But again, obviously it comes with its risks. The most important disclosure for me as well is um, – the risk for being bitten and you know what i just my love for these animals man it's just it goes beyond worlds and measures and anything that i can ever muster up with the breath of my lungs anything i could ever say or do i just have such a deep passion and love for these animals that it causes me just to want to be up so up close and personal 
And the reality is you can see the snake here. This is not a hostile snake. So no. his, care, his care is excellent. The snake literally acts as if he's a hotel guest. And that's kind of what <laughs> it is in reality. So this snake, you can see his little rattle. He had a little issue with his rattle when he was found. Hold on. Oh, there it it's, is. It's kind of all janky. He, he was very malnourished when he was found. Okay. Um, he's very dehydrated, would not eat. So I had to actually force feed him for a long time. Oh. And the reality is I brought him back to health where he is now drinking and eating on his own. He's doing much better. But it's to the point now where I've had him for so long, I can't necessarily go and release him back to the wild because the snake is like, hey, my food comes here once, you know, once yeah. a month. I get free heat. There's no there's no <laughs> threats, all that good stuff. So the snake's mind is just like, this is comfortable and content for me. And obviously in every ideal situation, every animal would be not, it would be nice to release them back into the wild, but zoos exist for a reason, right? Because some animals just cannot. Um, and obviously I don't hold him for that long either. I always yeah. just let him do his own thing. He lets me know when, when, yeah. It's time. Alex, Go back. I, I have to ask, though, because I'm sure, sure people are watching. Is Gilbert defanged at all? I'm assuming nope. no. No. Nope. He, he, he is just as I found him. He's got his fangs. He's got his venom. He's got every tool and, and thing he needs to survive, you know, except for the instinct now, right now. How dangerous is a sidewinder? I mean, if he were to bite you, God forbid he would never bite you. Let me uh, let me put it back, okay? Sure. All right. I just don't want to... The the all the breast stuff, the movement kind of sure. stress. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's so cool, man. Wow. No one's ever brought a rattlesnake on the show before. That was so neat. And I have to say, Alex, he that name Gilbert is fantastic. I don't know if he can hear me or not. I don't think he can. All um, right, dude. I was gonna tell you that name Gilbert is fantastic. By the way, he's he's got such a Gilbert personality. Okay, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So, how dangerous are sidewinders? In terms of comparison, very very little. Okay. So you have things like the Southern Pacific, the Mojave, the Tiger have high potency, high neurotoxin ratios. Mm. They do a lot of damage. I've had people get bit by the the sidewinder, and they just kind of just toughed it out. Um, obviously venom acts in bodies differently. So if we're looking at it from a general sense, if everybody were the same, eh, as nice as that sound, then they would be as less of a threat as some of the other species. But again, you don't know what your body's going through. So even though his venom isn't like some of the others, it could still be a huge threat to someone like, let's say who's allergic or who has allergies or who, whatever the case, you know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. but but to answer your question, yes, he's got a, a milder venom compared to some of the others. Okay. So, Alex, I have to ask you, this is going to be controversial, and I know it really is in the reptile community, but there are some people who think that venomous snakes should be completely banned. It should be illegal. What are your thoughts, and should people keep venomous snakes as pets? That is a very good question, and I, I can only answer that in, in what – I personally, so it's, it's a subjective answer because I don't know the objective. I don't know what's best for everybody. I just know what's best for the snakes. I know what's obviously best for me. Uh -huh. And that's all I can really operate out of that. But I think the main thing is people, people having venomous snakes, there, there's a lot of religious, like when I say religious, just very like ruly and just strict and rigid people in the reptile community. And they're just, they're so harsh and, and they're so just brutal when it comes to free handling venomous snakes, owning venomous snakes, mm -hmm. that they almost become like a counterproductive unit of the whole conservation body, right? So here everybody's supposed to be promoting well-being and they're just bashing all the animal people who freaking – like I would die for a rattlesnake and I know most people will not. Like I would generally, if it came down to saving rattlesnakes, I would freaking risk my line. I would go and, you know, Steve Irwin was my biggest hero because that was a man who didn't give a crap about money, fame. He loved animals so much and he died in the best place that he ever could, right with his beloved animals. Obviously his family wasn't around, but that was Steve's passion before he met his wife, before he had his kids. Steve existed for animals before everything else, right? So my existence is for these animals. But again, these people come in and they start bantering and just bashing everybody. I get a lot of hassle when it comes to free handling because one, and, and this is good because this will kind of bring up another controversial subject, free handling. But the reality is free handling, 
it's probably not the best thing for people to do. Now that I'm talking to a whole, so I'm going to talk to 99% of the people, right? So the, the 1% of people are actually doing a service in a sense when it comes to working with these animals up close, because again, it's just like your photographer. It's just like your, your handler, even though he's using sticks, it's just like any side part of, of animal conservation the person who's taking photos is encouraging this group of people to, to, to see the beauty of animals, right? So they learn mm -hmm. to respect it, right? Mm -hmm. Steve Irwin was getting hands up close and personal with the inland taipan. No one in the freaking world was doing this. You know what? He was able to reach the group of people that all the nice photos, all the pretty scenes could never affect because those people didn't care about photography. They actually wanted to see what the snake was like in person. So them seeing in person the most incredibly dangerous snake in the world the fierce snake steve was just holding it and they're freaking mind blown and and the reality is steve was reaching a whole nother group of people that all the photos in the world could never reach now i look at it as as the body of animal the animal conservation not everybody has the same job you know what i mean my job is to be up close and personal to give people that encounter with animals so that way once they're seeing the animals they're just like oh my god like Aren't rattlesnakes supposed to be vicious? But here he is holding this mm. snake. I've developed a newfound love and respect. So my main goal is to bring awareness to the non-reptile people because I already am grateful for everybody in our family, the animal family, who loves snakes and doesn't want to kill them. I don't care about their opinion. I'm, I care about the freaking people who are killing the snakes out of ignorance. So to those group of people that they see the snake act docile like Gilbert, they're just blown away. Mm -hmm. They're like, I get messages. I've been so afraid of rattlesnakes. They hurt. They, you know, this, that, and the third. But the way I see you and Gilbert makes me have a deep respect and appreciation for them. And that for me is a win. Are so you, I'll take all. Yeah. Are you nervous though that it promotes people to handle rattlesnakes? So, okay. That, there's, you're going to like this response. There's two things for that response. And this is just, I'm just crazy, Corbin, and, and I hope you know that. Because <laughs> I love, I'm gonna do whatever I freaking can to, the, yeah, yeah. to to love animals, right? So, I will never encourage anybody to free handle. If people ask me, I say I'm the crazy one. I want to show you. Let me do that. This was my purpose. This is my role. Don't do that. If some 17 year old, 15 year old kid says, "Hey, Alex." I love animals too. And I can obviously like I'm able to, to see their motive and see what's going on. And they're just, Alex, I love animals. Seeing you hold these snakes is going to change my future for the rest of my life. And it's going to make me love animals. I want to get up close and personal for that person, that one kid. I'm going to take you under my wing. I'm going to train you in everything I do. Just like in Australia, Wes, mm -hmm. Steve's best friend mm -hmm. is training Robert Irwin. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do exactly that because I want to make sure that obviously if there's going to be another warrior for our animals that's going to be brought up, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that he's successful, right? But obviously, again, 99% of people will not be doing what I do. They're just going to bash me. They're going to be too afraid. And I thank God for that because I don't want people doing this. But if it weren't for Steve and I, if it weren't for me freaking watching that man holding inland taipans, I would have never developed that deep, profound love because seeing that it was possible to have a, a basic connection with animals to reduce their threatening sense, to just make them just act as people would never expect. And that's why I fight for them. And that's why I do what I do. So if there is a couple people who, who, who have the right motive, they have the passion, mm -hmm. I will take them under my wing. I will teach them everything I freaking know. And, and that is all I can offer, you know. But again, if my motive is wrong, I want everybody to call me out. If I'm doing this for fame, this, that, and the third, call me the hell out. But again, if you're going to call me out, then I want you to come with me, and I want you to see how I work with them in person, one-on-one, -on -one, because you will. once I'm with that snake, it's like nothing else in the world matters. I'm just in this infatuated sense where I'm just like – it's like my lifelong partner is right before my eyes, and I'm just there loving the hell out of them. Like if I could, I'd just give them a big kiss. Obviously, I can't do that, but <laughs> it would be nice. So yeah, that's, that's probably not – it's not your typical answer. Everybody tries to save their own butt. Like, oh, I would never, you know, tell yeah. kids no. But if someone is like me, Corbin, and they want to love animals and they want to be up close and personal, I, I will teach them everything I know. 
Man, I love how passionate you are. And I just want to say that, you know, you are a very special person and it takes someone, you know, to work with venomous animals. I have publicly said, because I get people ask me, people ask me all the time, do you have any venomous animals, you know, any venomous snakes? And a long time ago, I just, in my mind, I had no interest. Like, I'm good. I just, I'm, I like my big pythons. I love my alligators, but I am not interested in that. And I think it takes a special person. And I have recognized that. Um, but I think there are people like you who are, you know, professionals and I love that you're using your platforms to be able to educate, you know, people about these animals, which are, you know, so misunderstood. So I, I agree. I think it takes a special person, which I think you are, um, you know, and not, I, not everybody too has the same privilege like you do. I wish I could have <laughs> alligators, Corbin. You have no idea. I wish I could buy a plane ticket, come out there and love the hell on your alligators right now. Dude. Like you have no idea. But not everybody has the courage, the love, and the passion to do what you do. And that's really reality too because working with alligators, I would be more – I'm more afraid of a, of a big old uh, sunny than I am my sunny. little rattlesnake because <laughs> I've been know. working with my alligator. I've been working with my rattlesnakes. I yeah. know how far I can get close. I have no clue how how close I can get to an alligator. But I will, I will one day. I will – I will do what you're doing on a more personal scale working with alligators because that's my passion, reptiles. But again, people who are working with bears, mountain oh, lions, yeah. you're taking a risk, you know, yeah. and that's the same thing. It's like, yeah, you're encouraging a kid to to, to build a freaking bad ass <laughs> thing in his, on his property for alligators. You're encouraging me to do that. Dude. And I'm, I'm taking the risk. If I do that, I'm taking the risk that I'll get my hand bitten off. Steve got bit by a freaking alligator yeah. and he managed to come at it unscathed, but it's a risk we're willing to take to bring awareness to all of these precious animals, right? So for whatever reason, venomous snakes get the worst heat, right? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you're touching them. But it's like, I'm sure if you worked with your alligators enough, you could get close enough to Sonny or whatever to let him feed you. And he'll kind of, he, he doesn't have that that instinct of nature like he did if he were in the wild, right? Of how of how defensive, aggressive he may be. He's probably a much more chill alligator than we can actually think of because he's not in the wild dealing with predators, dealing with a uh, shortage of food, having to, to fight for wintertime and all this stuff. You know, he's actually able to enjoy life all year, year round, you know? Yeah, no, it's a trip. I mean, have it. And sometimes it's weird because I don't even, dude. It's just crazy. I no. I mean, it's weird though. You wake it, up one day, I was like, I have a freaking alligator on my property. Two, and it's <laughs> it's so funny too because some of the most random. So recently, videos of them have just taken off for me on TikTok and Reels. But they're the most, it doesn't make any sense to me, like of Chompers diving into her pool or Sonny just like, and it blows my mind. But then today I realized like it's very unique. Not many people have the facility we have. Not many people have this giant trough they submerged in the ground and they built a cabin around it and they have these alligators. So I, I understand why there's interest in that. And people could argue the same, like you said, with me having working with alligators on a daily, like I'm in there all the time with them. And, you know, I still respect they are wild animals, but I totally get what you mean. Cause I mean, I personally would not be comfortable handling a rattlesnake, but put me inside an alligator exhibit or a crocodile. Exactly. And, and I, I feel, and I feel exactly. home. And that yeah. same goes for all the incredible men and women who are working with large cats and bears, oh, right? Yeah. That's a dream of mine to, 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 to be up close to them. But most people would never get near a grizzly bear that that's somehow oh, established a relationship with his handler. Who's right. That? And that for me is it just the most incredible thing when a human can, can earn the respect because again, animals don't have the same concept of like friendship and love and how life should work. That's kind of how animals end up turning on people. Um, but it's not as of, I hate you kind of turning. It's just they're instinctive creatures, but it's incredible that you can earn the respect to share the same space as them. And that's exactly what we're doing. We have earned the respect to share the same space as them. And just like you with your Crocs, people with bears and big cats. Yes, you're encouraging people to, to go and be next to big cats that can freaking kill you faster than a rattlesnake, right? So, yeah. but we're doing a purpose. We're bringing attention to the non-snake, the non-alligator people. That's our goal. I don't oh. care about the, the communist reptile community. 
but it's true that's just hating on me because they're not killing snakes so i don't need to worry about that. yeah and that bear oh i don't know man i don't know if i want to dive i know we're almost at an hour i don't want to i don't know if i want to dive into that uh topic about people owning big cats because i think that's a whole different can of worms <laughs> yeah. I, I i leave that to like to zeus i mean I, i'm gonna be honest i leave i my opinion is people should not be keeping these exotic cats as pets um i i think there's exceptions i think zoos do a good job there are private facilities i have a friend who who um provides animals for motion pictures and television he's worked with steve Irwin and he works with robert and bindi and and you know there i've seen his place and the animals are taken care of great but i feel like once again dude it's just i don't think everyone and their mom should be allowed to to have them that's just my opinion not not everyone is called and that's the thing that's why it's the only one percent that's willing to risk their lives for the things they love because again only that few is called to be that bold and that brave to love their wildlife. But to touch on that point that you just said, um, absolutely, I should have clarified that. Not everyone should. <laughs> big dogs, but even then, all my animals have the biggest enclosure. I yeah. don't, I don't give anything too small, and that's what I don't like to see. Is sometimes people get so swamped that they have smaller and stuff. If I'm gonna have a big freaking bear, you best believe I'm gonna buy a property with 20, 30 acres. And I'm going to let that bear live there. If for whatever reason that bear can't go back into the wild, I'm not going to give it the smallest closure possible that I'm allowed to. I'm going to go above and beyond. So that way that that bear has a little bit more sense of freedom and its life quality can be better. You know what I mean? And that's my, you know, that's why I don't like a lot of the people who are just kind of putting these big cats in small cages and stuff. I'm like, no, they need freaking acres and acres and acres of land. But that's just me. If I had the money, if I'm going to buy a bear, I'm going to save up. $50 $50 million and buy, <laughs> buy everything it needs so it's forever happy. Well, hopefully you know? hopefully a bear doesn't come around in the pet trade, which I know they do, but uh, well, <laughs> everyone stick to uh, smaller stuff. But Alex, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, where can our listeners, where can they follow you? Give us your Instagram handle, your YouTube. Uh, YouTube, I... I, I suck at technology, man. I'm I'm trying to learn, but I literally have to have people do it for me because I'm so I'm just a Neanderthal when it comes to technology. <laughs> I sit there and I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> I start banging on it because it doesn't act accordingly. But um, yeah, Instagram, Alex Akuta Catcher. That's that's pretty much it. Um, honestly, I use my Instagram the most because again I, I don't really know the other platforms but i am on facebook i am on youtube i think i do have a tiktok alex the critter catcher oh okay yeah so you can th- those are the things but again it's like i just i just yeah man my my goal it's it's and here's the beauty of this it's my last little point but this year i jumped like eight thousand or ten thousand followers um i'm at 12k now and i've never had that before and the beauty of it is it isn't the, the, the multitude of people that have come and started following me. It's the amount of ears and eyes that get to see and hear the conservation message. And that's what I freaking love, you know, and that's why it's like I need people like you to to uh, show me how to do what you do and have all these incredible things that I can strive for, like an alligator sanctuary. <laughs> Look at this. Honestly, man, if I could have a setup like you do, it would be great because then I can effectively reach people on a more like level that people actually relate to. Like they see me and they're just like, I don't want this freaking caveman. Get the hell out of here. But they see it's like freaking Corman. But come on the news. Come on all these great things because it's like, dude, you got your crap together and I love it. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. But I just like with you and I'm sure you would agree it takes a lot of sacrifice and uh, a lot of money and yeah. well, not much money really. Um, I mean, but to build stuff. So, I mean, it, there's yeah. a lot of sacrifice, but I, I appreciate the compliment and I, but, uh, and I, I appreciate you, you're hardworking and dedicated and you're saving like that should make you feel so good that you're making such an amazing difference in the world, like saving the lives of snakes. I think that is just so awesome. and something to be so proud of. Yeah. I've never, I've, I, there, there's only a few moments, but there, my love for animals is, is it's, it's literally like when I when I act in that love, it's it's like I feel complete. I feel whole. I feel like my life existence finally has a purpose. And outside of my faith and my love for my family and, and people, 
animals are that for me and I feel complete and it's just it's refreshing I can work all day come home and take care of my animals and I'm just in love and I just I'm refreshed and re-energized to go and keep doing more you know if I just had the financial means man I'd be up there with you hanging out with your turkey and your emu and <laughs> gang man and I go to Florida I just I'd be everywhere but right now I'm just I'm I have the resources, the tools that I have. I'm just trying to utilize them and, and, you know, just just get this message. But again, man, I really I thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your hard work, too, and all the sacrifices you made, because, man, to, to take care of the, the animal status that you have, it's a lot of work. The poo poo cleanup, the feedings, it is literally a day job. And I'm sure that is literally your day job. But I, I we need more people like you to step up, to love animals, to broadcast that love of animals, and to be honestly like a charismatic person. Because I'm tired of watching encyclopedia people trying to excite people <laughs> to love animals. It's like, <laughs> like, I want people to excite me to love animals. I want to get riled up and be like, yes, let's do it, you know? Oh, well, thank you so much. And I could say the same about you. Thank you for being a voice, man. I would love to do this again. Let's touch base in a year or so. Yes. And if you ever make it up to Idaho, please let me know. We actually, dude, this is so funny. We have a loft above the alligator. I shouldn't have told you this because you're going to be mm -hmm. like, dude, let's you're gonna, stay. You're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> Alex the Critter Catcher vacation or staycation. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> I was thinking how to raise money. I was, we have two lofts, one above Sonny's yeah. and one above Chompers. And I was like, dude, I bet some crazy people. I mean, if we had it, like a glass or something people would probably stay above the alligator loft for like an airbnb experience yeah. like like think about it because it's over their pool you you can't see it when i film but it is a yeah. loft well actually i shouldn't say it's over their pool it's over their beach area but you could look yeah. out and you literally can see that that'd be kind of cool i would love i don't know the legal route you legal have to go, I know, there'd be a lot of liability <laughs> but I, I promise you i will pay you whatever you ask for oh, you don't have to pay me whatever anything. you need to show up and i will rent that room oh yeah i just see the thing is i wouldn't want you to roll off because if you roll when you sleep you literally would roll off and it'd be like i would i'd wake foot. up and, and there'd sonny be and i'm just like it's time <laughs> take it's, me sonny <laughs> it's time take me awesome alex thank you so much man i appreciate it i appreciate you too gore man have a great day and we'll talk soon yeah sounds good Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.